Thank you for listening to the Sooner Schooner Show, a proud member of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm Eric G. from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars and let us know how we're doing and what we can improve on because we're here to please you. Coming up on this week's episode, we are less than 200 days away from the kickoff of OU football season, and Bill Haston of the Tulsa World says OU must win this many games or there will be red flags as they move to the Southeastern Conference. We'll tell you what that number is. But we're going to start things off talking about the difference of opinion between Bob Stoops and Barry Switzer on Oklahoma's move to the Southeastern Conference. And up first is Bob Stoops. Okay, he did an interview with The Athletic. And there's some things I agree with, some things I don't agree with as far as what he said. Um, We'll start with the fact that Bob Stoops is dead on right. Oklahoma's move to the Southeastern Conference will ensure their financial stability for the foreseeable future for a very long time to come, probably long after you and I are gone, because if estimations are right, every Southeastern Conference school could make upwards of $100 million a year with their media rights contract. Now, last year, the SEC, or this past year, the SEC paid out $49.9 million to its member schools, which is down, but still, that's up from where the Big 12 is. So if you're looking at it strictly from a financial standpoint, then this move makes all the sense in the world. Now, where things start to get a little dicey, and where Bob was right again, though, is the fact that, yeah, with teams like LSU and Alabama and Ole Miss, Florida, whoever, Missouri, okay, I just thought I'd throw them in as, you know, kind of a a token mention. So uh, Georgia, there we go, better better program, A&M, whoever. With those type of schools coming back into Norman or those type of schools making their first appearance in Norman, it will excite the fan base. You're going to sell out Gaylord Family Memorial Stadium, or as I like to call it, Owen Field or as probably you like to call it, the Palace on the Prairie, as long as OU's winning. Now, OU fans will go watch the Sooners play anyone as long as they have a chance to win. But if OU struggles out of the gate in 2024 and that continues on to 2025, those tickets will hit the secondary market. And where things can get really scary is you can see on the secondary market Alabama fans scooping up those tickets. So it's imperative that OU not only win, but OU fans do everything they can to protect that home field advantage because a lot of these SEC stadiums are legendary for what for what you walk into as an opponent, whether it's Death Valley at night down in Baton Rouge, whether it's Bryant Denny, whether it's Jordan-Hare Stadium, things can get nuts down there. And by the way, tailgating, I do want to throw this in. I hope you are ready for the SEC lifestyle. And what that means is, man, tailgating's got to get a little bit more elaborate. You don't have to go hanging a chandelier in the tent that you have like they do down at Ole Miss, Uh, but you also just can't throw some burgers and brats on the grill, man, because with LSU cranking out the jambalaya and the gumbo and the etouffee, and the gator, and everything else they do, if you're a tailgating person, time to step it up, man. Time to invest in that big smoker like your friends got. Make sure you got a brisket going for sure, a little bit of pulled pork, 
And when you know opposing fans come calling, be neighborly. Got to be neighborly. You're down in the in the in the southeastern conference. Got to show some southern hospitality. You know, give them some food. Tell them welcome here. Kick their team's butt, and then go on about your business. But you want them to say, "Man, those Oklahoma fans rule." So when we make the trip down to Starkville or wherever, we get treated just as well as you do. I'm not saying you got to love their team. Just saying, be nice to be nice. Uh, to their fans. Also, uh, fraternity guys, no more of this uh, untucked polo jeans and boot look. Time now to invest in some khakis, some Oxford shirts, and then the uh, regimented stripe ties. Those are the diagonal stripes that are uh, alternating school colors. Uh, ladies, no more dresses and boots. It's now uh, skirts and high heels. If you if you can't tell, I've got a thing against boots, but maybe mainly it's just because I can't pull off the boot, Luke. Look. Boot Luke. I can't pull off the boot look. Kind of breaks my heart. Oh, well, whatever. Yeah, I'm more of a a tennis shoes loafers guy. I get the feeling if you're listening to this, you're probably more of a hoodie guy anyway, so I'm not sure uh, that this applies to you. Uh, Stoops also believes that Brent Venables needs just a little bit more time. I say how much more time because 6-6 and this year isn't going to cut it. All right, you go six and six again, somebody needs to start talking buyout, and that will force Joe Castiglione to do something that is very uncharacteristic for him and the OU football program, which is you'll have to make a splash, Um, which is scary to think about because it's reminiscent of when Donnie Duncan hired Howard, Howard Schnellenberger. It's not what OU wants to do. OU feels a lot more comfortable when either they elevate an assistant or go pluck an assistant from somebody else's staff because that's what they've had the most success doing throughout their history. But going into the Southeastern Conference, especially going into areas like Mississippi and Alabama and Louisiana where you haven't mined those recruits before, and you're going to have to mine some of them, that OU on the polo may not mean as much as the A or a Tiger Head or whatever the Ole Miss logo is or the, or, or the big T that, that Tennessee has. So, yeah, you'll need to make a splash higher, and that'll say to check riders, hey, we're all good. That'll say to fans, we're all good. That'll tell recruits, we're up and running, and the first place you look is Clemson and Dabo Sweeney. Not sure he would leave, especially if you fired Brent Venables. I don't think that would sit well with him. I don't know how much money you could throw at him. Plus, there's the whole him being the next Alabama coach that kind of hangs out there. But that's the caliber, that's the guy you'd be looking for if you had to make that move. You're going to need a track record and, and something people feel like they can, put, they can put their weight behind. When it came to Bedlam, Stoops gave the ultimate screw you to Oklahoma State, and this just warmed my heart. Um, at least that's how I read it. Um, he may not have intended it that way at all, so I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of interpreting his words via black and white how I read it, which he says, you know, losing Bedlam, that's fine. You know, we lost Nebraska. We'll be fine without Bedlam. Oklahoma State won't be fine without Bedlam. And, A, there's no reason Bedlam football needs to be played. OU's won 91 of those games. Oklahoma State would have to win. Look, it's not going to happen in our lifetime that Oklahoma State would ever catch up to OU. So there's no reason to play it in football. There's no reason to have Bedlam wrestling anymore because Oklahoma State dominates that. Softball, basketball, baseball. I say go ahead and do Bedlam in those sports. One, because it's easy travel for both schools. You're not having to spend a lot of money out of pocket. You're still going to recruit Oklahoma. 
And for Oklahoma State fans, as my co-host Pat Jones told me once, when he was the coach there, they told him straight up, we're going to overfund the Olympic sports because it gives our fans the illusion that they can compete with OU. And OSU knows they've got a better chance of competing with OU in those sports than they ever do football. So why not throw them a bone? Why not just, just let them have Bedlam? Now, Barry Switzer, on the other hand, was very honest with with OU, with OU going to the SEC, and he's not crazy about the idea at all, and said that it's going to be like playing Texas every week, a really good Texas team every single week. And he's right. Again, he's he's we've said this before. The competition goes up exponentially once you make this move, which means every week it gets tougher. There's no break. And guys are going to get hurt, and the war of attrition becomes a whole lot harder to deal with in the Southeastern Conference than it ever did in the Big 12. So much so that you may be playing a team that you are better than, but let's say you got a stretch where you have Arkansas. All right, no problem. You win that game. Next week, you're playing a good Texas team, and you just get by, and then you follow that up with Ole Miss. Or maybe it's some combination of Arkansas, A&M, LSU, which, God, that sounds brutal as hell now that I say it out loud. You're going to have to figure out a way to navigate this. And as a fan, you're probably going to be happy with going two and one in those kind of stretches and doing backflips. You're also probably going to have to temper your expectation as much as I don't want to tell you how to think to say, all right, so we're not winning conference championships, but we are making the college football playoff, which at this point, that's the only goal you have. Forget about conference championships. You just want to get into the college football playoff and give give yourself a chance to win a national championship. And it's a lot like, it's almost like a college basketball mentality because winning a conference championship, all that guarantees is that you'll get a bye. Maybe if you're one of the, four highest-ranked conference champions. It gives you a bye. But if you can win a national championship without winning a conference championship, then all's well that that ends well. And that's the ultimate judge, or that's how ultimately these these, uh, coaches are going to be judged. Barry mentions the defense. He's right. I mean that that that's how I always felt. Is you win you win a championship with defense. You don't win it with offense. Georgia. You want to look like Georgia. You don't want to look like TCU. Um, he also says that he wants someone to raise their hand if this goes bad and says, "I'm the one that made the move to the Southeastern Conference." Well, that would be Joe Castiglione. That would also be the Board of Regents. And money wise, Barry, you can't really argue with the money. With the money. Um, Saying again something we already knew, Lincoln Riley got to bleep out of here because of it. He's right. Lincoln didn't want to compete in the SEC. Lincoln's also making more money at USC. And then finally, and it's something that I I left out on all this, and it was for Bob, from Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops not crazy about the NIL, not crazy about the transfer portal. He's very much like a lot of college coaches right now as far as If they can get out of college football, they will because they don't like the direction that they're going. And I saw where Barry Switzer's collective gave the entire women's college basketball team a a name-image likeness agreement. And I'm cool with that. Now, remember, name-image likeness doesn't necessarily guarantee you money. 
You, you, could, you could be on social media, you put out a sponsored tweet, and it just means you get to go eat at that restaurant, or you get a pair of shoes from this particular store, or you get a suit, or, or whatever. But at least it's an NIL deal for the entire team. A little bit harder to do that in some other sports like football. But that, that's kind of a step in the right direction. And I feel that's more the spirit of the NIL than what we've seen out of the NIL. But, man, OU... Work cut out for you in so many different in so many different aspects of making this move, but ultimately, I will tell you it will be a positive, and OU will still be successful. Maybe not as much, but what they will still be successful even moving into the Southeastern Conference. All right, coming up next, Bill Haston tells us how many games OU needs to win this year, or it's a red flag. Thank you for listening to the Sooner Schooner Show here on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I am Eric G. Thanks to Bill Haston for being one of the best writers here in the state of Oklahoma and doing a great job with the Barry Switzer interview and reminding us that OU has only 392 days before they make the move to the Southeastern Conference. That's it. Or as he puts it, 392 days to look like Georgia, it also means, when you're looking at that 392, there's less than 200 days before the start of this season. And the most important thing for OU this season is, one, to get through the schedule. But more importantly, win, win every freaking game that you, that you can. You have been given a gift by the Big 12. They have blessed you. In the non-con, you have what should be three guaranteed wins in Southern Methodist, um, who is it, Arkansas State and Tulsa? Yeah, you ought to win all three of those games. You ought to be 4-0 after Cincinnati. The only two games that right now on this at, at this moment should worry you even in the slightest is the Texas game and maybe the TCU game. Other than that, you're going to be better than everybody on your schedule. Okay, worry about West Virginia. They did beat you last year, and you got to go to Morgantown, and you know how crazy People are in Morgantown, but you still should win this one. According to Bill, now, you OU should win 10 games. If not, there are red flags. Nine and three would be acceptable to me because you went six and seven last year. I would take a nine and three season if those three losses were to Texas and Texas won the Big 12 championship. If you lost to TCU again and they played Texas for the Big 12 championship. And then as much as I hate to say it, and yeah, it's going to gross you out, could probably handle a loss in Stillwater depending on how good OSU. Now, nah, screw that. I can't handle a loss in Stillwater this year. OSU's not going to be very good. You, you ought to hammer them. But I could take 9-3 and three if there was a loss to Texas, a loss to TCU, and both those teams ended up playing in the Big 12 championship, and then something fluky happened. Because I'm just not real sure where this defense is going to be here in in the next few months. How drastically improved can they be? And they need to be pretty stinking good in order to navigate even this this dog of a schedule in in the Big 12 that that excites no one. The other thing that Bill brought up and I honestly disagree with Bill on this. He asked if Jeff Levy would be able to recruit elite quarterbacks. I am one that does not believe you need an elite quarterback to win in the Southeastern Conference, nor do you need one to win a national championship. 
Stetson Bennett was not an elite quarterback. Max Duggan, great kid, not an elite quarterback. And you and those two teams were playing in the national championship. Going back a little bit further, because let's face it, Alabama has had some elite quarterbacks. Tua was an elite quarterback in college. Jalen Hurts was definitely an elite quarterback. Bryce Young is an elite quarterback. But A.J. McCarron and Greg McElroy were not elite quarterbacks. And Alabama won the national championship with those guys. You don't need an elite quarterback. You need an elite defense. But you don't need an elite quarterback. You just need a quarterback that's good enough. One that's a little bit better than a game manager. Okay? One that certainly doesn't make the mistakes that a Spencer Sanders makes every week or a Dak Prescott where you know they're going to throw the ball to the to the wrong team. Okay? You just need one that's that's you need one that's that cut above but they don't necessarily have to be NFL bound and you can still win a whole lot of college football games and you can still be competitive in the in the Southeastern Conference. The other thing that Bill nailed it, nailed it on and we sort of touched on this in the last segment is that Georgia outspent everybody in college football on recruiting this year. Alabama when they have had their best recruiting classes, or at least their highest-ranked recruiting classes, outspending everybody in college football on recruiting. Now, OU's been in the top five. They've been in the top ten of recruiting spending, but now you've got to get yourself in the top three. Okay, you're just gonna, you're going to have to do whatever it takes because that's what this conference forces you to do. The SEC forces you to do whatever it takes in order to win. And sometimes those things are unsavory. Sometimes those are things you don't want to think about as an athletic program, as a fan, as whoever. But that's what it's going to be. I mean, the 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 NIL, if you see a lot of and I'm I'm iffy on the NIL, man. I would hate to think the kids are signing strictly because of the NIL. Um, because if that dries up and these collectives don't have an ironclad agreement, and as we saw with the Florida situation, if you're allowed to pull out any time you, you want as the person who is as the person who put together the NIL deal, if you can dissolve the relationship anytime you want, then that's gonna force more kids to just leave. They're they're, they're gonna they're gonna wanna leave earlier be, because of that. So I hate I've got mixed emotions. Part of me says you've got to get into it heavy because all your best athletes and their parents, right or wrong, are looking at that, and you got to go play that game. But the other part of me says if that's the only reason they're coming, then don't plan on them staying very long, and that's not that's not very that's not very good business. But yeah, you've got to spend a lot of money in recruiting in order to keep up with these guys. And you got to do an excellent job of developing the guys that you get. But for me, the 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 concentration has got to be on defense. If you're going to compete in this league, you got to be a great defensive team or at least a very good defensive team. And that doesn't mean that you necessarily sacrifice offense to do it. But when you're looking at depth and building depth, you need to build it along the defensive line. So if that means that's where more scholarships are going to have to go, if that means you've got to raid the transfer portal every year for depth along the defensive line, then by God, go ahead and do it because that is what you have got to do. 
And I'm not trying to paint a picture of doom and gloom here. I'm just trying to tell you how it is. And things are things are not only going to get interesting, but things are going to happen that will make you doubt whether or not OU can do this. I have ultimate faith they can, uh, but uh, there may be a couple of steps backwards in order to move one step forward once you make this move in 2024. That wraps up this week's show. I'm Eric G. Remember, please subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars. Let us know what we can improve on. And until then, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to paraphrase Don Cornelius, love, peace, and boomer sooner.